Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. It's your man Quez, and this is the Zuva Nine podcast. Now, um, <clears throat> y'all are so lucky. You get two podcasts in less than twenty four hours. Maybe I'm experiencing a manic episode, or I'm just really inspired right now. Um. So today, we're gonna cover two topics. One will be escaping eroticism or, and a better pers- title for it might be the right perspectives. And B will be finding a reason to live. These are heavy topics, not easy. I guess I may as well put like a trigger warning type thing in this. Um, just in case some of the material is a little heavy. And uh, yeah, let's see where things go. But I'm excited to have this conversation with y'all. I'm blessed. I'm empowered. I'm living life. I'm happy. Hope you are too. Let's get it. Let's do it. Now, before we start, I always like to define the terms I'm using and explain why I'm using certain terms. Defeating neurosis and stopping your neurotic behaviors. Now, neurosis is a psychological term, but it's an outdated psychological term. So don't go around spewing it out everywhere you go. Like it's this, you know, hot, cutting-edge word that means the world and beyond. I don't want to misinform anybody. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I am not a professional in mental health services. But I like the word to use the word because I think it defines me and perhaps a lot of people um, meaningfully. A lot of this information I'm getting from Wikipedia's page on neurosis. But anyhow, uh, neurosis. Basically, we'll look at three major points, or rather three series of points. The first part that really caught my eye on the Wikipedia page about neurotic people, or rather neuro- neurotics, rather, was how... They're incapable of forming a rich, meaningful personality. They are incapable of having a rich, meaningful life. And they're incapable of forming rich, meaningful relationships. The second series of points is about how they have come. This is told by Carl Hume, great guy, cool psychologist. Read some of his work. He's really interesting. But Carl Hume talked about it, about how neurotics are not people who have, who are religious. They're not people who have been deluded by faith, but they're rather people who have lost a faith, whatever that might be, religious or spiritual, whatever faith it might be, in humanity, whatever. They've lost faith instead. And point three, or series three of the points, is from Catherine Horney, who is also a great psychologist. You read her work too. And she spoke how the neurotic is someone who experienced deep trauma in their formative years, and instead of dealing with it constructively or in a conducive manner, a productive manner, they almost internalize that trauma, and they express it in weird ways. For example, you might become extremely complacent or meek in the most negative way possible. You might become extremely docile and overly agreeable, and you will start to see these things as good behaviors. Now, again, I am not 
a psych expert, so don't go around again saying, this guy said this in X, Y, and Z. But those are the big points I looked at that really stuck with me. So in short, we'll look at it like this. A neurotic is a person who seeks elusive and unattainable dreams, will satisfy themselves with the wrong ideas about life through the wrong lenses and perspectives. And that's where we go into the segue into the next point about um, the perspectives. Perspective in life is so important. It defines so many things. For example, you can give a person half a glass of water and they'll be telling you, okay, the glass is half full, the glass is half empty. Perspective defines everything. Perspective is what makes someone an optimist or a pessimist. It's what makes someone... It's what gives them their spiritual inclinations, their political views. That's what perspective does. And when you're neurotic or a person suffering from neurosis, you are someone who, in my understanding, has a poor perspective about life, a broken or unproductive perspective of life. When I was going through a lot of really rough shit as a teenager, and I was reading Sean Covey's book, uh, The Seven Habits of Successful Teens, I'd read it, and he kept bringing up how your paradigm should shape your world, your, your view of the world, your perspective. And I didn't really care too much for this at the time. I was going through a lot of intense depression and anxiety, and my burgeoning uh, schizoaffective bipolar disorder was coming about, and it was negatively impacting me in ways I couldn't even begin to understand at the time, but I read these words and I didn't really heed them until now, seriously. And perspective really does define life. And the reason I brought up the neurotic is because I am a neurotic, I was a neurotic. And I'm sorry, this is kind of jumbled and choppy, but I'm not editing it, I'm just kind of freeballing it. This is Nighttime Thoughts as a podcast, I guess, you know. Nighttime Epiphanies is a podcast. And anyway, I just became so gripped with the wrong ideas about life, about spirituality, about sexuality, about humanity, about love, friendship, men, women, uh, art, everything. I was gripped with the wrong ideas about everything. I saw myself as a victim. I saw myself as unworthy of love. I saw myself as just this weak, undesirable creature. And when you put out that energy, that's what people will treat you as, weak and undesirable. Not because they think I'm weak and undesirable, because I think that, and I project that onto them, and they have no reason but to think of me in those terms. Right? So that's what happens. That's what happens. So to connect to the neurosis thing, I was neurotic. I was, I was suffering from neurosis. I struggled to have a rich and meaningful personality, are rich and meaningful life, and I struggled to have rich and meaningful relationships with others. I also had lost my faith in God, humanity, and love. So I was just crippled by this lack of faith. And I became very bitter, cynical, very venomous. Um, and I just struggled with so many things. And then I also had all these trauma in my formative years, in my family life, in my, um, in my family life, 
in my uh, school life, in my socials life, and every facet of my life, I had some sort of trauma. And it bothered me, you know, and I, I took all these these traumas and I internalized them. And the behaviors that came from these traumas, I started to view them as good things. Oh, I'm meek. I'm a people pleaser. I'm I'm scared of life. I'm scared of everything. I'm scared of my own shadow. And I began to take that as, oh, it means I'm cautious and, and careful and meticulous. No, it meant I was scared and I was trying to rename my fear as something positive, which is extremely dangerous. But so that happened. And so I had these negative and incorrect perspectives about life and about myself and about other people and about society. And it was just such a confusing mess. And I see that with a lot of people who have come to satisfy themselves with the wrong answers about life, especially a lot of people suffering from mental illness, and especially a lot of people who've gone through trauma. A lot of us tend to to, um, satisfy ourselves with the wrong answers about life. We we think in extremes, and we think in such catastrophic, negative ways, you know? Um... I, for one, think about my own life. Uh, this is kind of where the trigger warning part comes in. I used to, um, as a child, get beaten a lot. You know, that really messed me up. It hurt a lot. You know, I used to, I was molested repeatedly as a child. Um, and it, it was so confusing. It was so fucking confusing. And I would get bullied, too, on top of that. So my home life wasn't good. My school life wasn't good. Um, I've already disclosed on this podcast that I am a bisexual, pansexual, whatever you want to call it, person. And that experience of being molested really confused me. And I started to have all these negative ideas about my own sexuality and about sexuality in general, sexual orientation and human sexuality in general. And I just satisfied myself... I satisfied myself with the wrong answers about people and life, you know? I saw racism, I saw sexism, I saw all kinds of messed up things, and I began to satisfy myself with the wrong answers about life. I saw terrorism, war, rape, everything. I saw it in the world and it just disgusted me, and I became confused. And so I began to sit here and think, well, humanity's fucked up, the world's fucked up, it's all horrible, and I just became this depressive nihilistic, misanthropic mess. I became neurotic again. And I convinced myself that I was unworthy of love, that I was uninteresting, my life is meaningless, there's nothing to live for, you know? I'd convinced myself there was nothing to have faith in. I had convinced myself that the world is just black and dull and meaningless. And I had taken all these pain, this pain, all these horrible things and these errors that were manifesting inside me and I tried to make them into good things. I took the the ugliness inside me. I said, well, the cynicism I feel about humanity, it's just me being wise. It's me being clever, you know, when in reality it's me being foolish. And that's the thing. So I started to go down this really dark path that always came to the same place. It was just suicidal ideation. And another, another trigger warning, I guess. I would harm myself. I have cuts up all up and down my arms from hurting myself, you know? Um, 
razors, pieces of glass. I was in a dark fucking place. And I would harm myself. And even up until recently, I was just in this spiral. You know? This spiral of stupidity. Of just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. With pain. And I didn't know what to do. I really didn't know what to do. Um, and I was so confused. I was so confused. Um, and I was in this conflict too, to kind of add to this layer. So whilst having the wrong perspectives and being this person suffering from such intense neurosis, you know, these anxieties, these, these depressive elements, I was also in this deep inner conflict, kind of like, should I even be alive? Should I even be here? Uh, I want to love life so deeply, but I also resent life and I resent my existence and, you know, really deep, painful stuff, you know? I thought about suicide every day, every fucking day for like a four to five year period. I thought of just killing myself every single day. It was a recurring thought. Like it, it was deep, guys. It was fucking deep. Sisters and brothers, it was deep. And it was crazy. And the only reason I tell you this story is not to like exploit my own suffering for views, but to share this with the hope of helping other people. Because I see a lot of the shit that I went through in a lot of people, you know? And it was like, the only thing that kept me going was my family and friends. If I, if I didn't have family and friends for whatever reason, I would have killed myself a long time ago. And you would have never even known I existed. But I had this neurosis. To get back to the core of my points, you know, I had this neurosis about myself. And the thing about neurosis that I've come to understand is neurosis is searching for the unattainable, the elusive dreams whilst also satisfying oneself with the wrong answers about life. What was my elusive and unattainable dream? It was to be special. It was to be special. And in the most cliche, it might be one of the most cliche things to say, but you are special. I am special. You are wonderful. You are amazing. You know? And that's the craziest shit, is... You're searching for something that already exists. It, the, the, the Wikipedia page talks about, I think it was also Carl Hume who said this, um, you are unable to form a rich personality, a rich, you know, social life, a rich, you know, personal sphere of, you know, solitude or whatever. I don't know, I, that was so poorly worded, forgive me, but... You're unable to form a happy, meaningful life, you know, because of flaws that are internally ingrained, because of a lack of your personality, something wrong with your character. And the problem was not with my character. The problem was, was with how I viewed myself. Years of abuse and just a lack of a foundation of self created this person who didn't know who he was. And created this person who was desperately looking for something that already existed. An interesting, powerful, spiritual entity who is just amazing and creative and thoughtful and, you know, beautiful and wonderful. I was looking for that when I was that all along. 
And I know this is veering into saccharine, sugary sweet territory, but I'm dead serious. You know? Um, so that was the first thing, was realizing that I am great. I am amazing. I am special. And that my life can be great, amazing, and special if I allow it to be. Life can be hard, but it can also be beautiful. The next thing was finding faith in something. I'm not saying you have to go to church or the synagogue or the mosque or you have to become religious. I'm not saying faith in that sense. If that's what it takes for you, maybe that's what you need. If that's what it is, maybe that's what you need. I'm not going to knock that. I've said some very anti-religious things here. I'm going to try and get past that bias of mine and just say, if that's what you need, that's what you need. But for me, I found faith in humanity again. Not every human is worth your time and heartache, but some human beings are. Um, and they think the greatest faith you can have of all is a belief in self. A belief in your own faculties, a belief in your own talents, a belief in your own dreams and ambitions, and a belief in your capability to do amazing things. And so that's where I had to find, you know, faith in myself, faith in humanity, faith in my dreams, faith in the things I once used to love that used to give me happiness, faith in love, faith in art, faith in music, faith in the stupid little things like rain. And it's hard to explain, but it's not even like faith, but it's just finding joy once again in the small things and then finding faith through that finding a reason to live like i enjoy life faith in life faith in the process of life the marathon of life it isn't always easy and it isn't always easy to maintain faith but that's why it's faith you know um it's kind of a leap into the unknown and just going with it and creating from this the scraps you're given. But um, the next thing I had to do was also to look at my childhood traumas and call that shit what it was. Call negative behaviors and poor mental health and poor thinking habits and poor social skills and poor emotional intelligence. Just call it what it was. You know, just call it what it was instead of trying to make it into this good thing. Oh, my mercurial... Aloof attitude towards other people is a good thing. No, it's not. It's because you're hurt that you act out that way. My, my inability to communicate complex emotions, you know, in an adult, mature manner. Oh, that means I'm just passionate. No, it's not. It means you're, you're hurt. And you need to deal with that hurt before you hurt somebody else. You know? And that's what I had to do for myself. So I had to do three things, and I'll break it down real simple. I had to know myself and know my worth. B, I had to know and have faith in myself. And C, I had to learn how to deal with my shit in a meaningful way and to call it what it was and build a new foundation of healthy habits, of emotional intelligence, mental health, self-respect, you know, and faith, you know. So a lot of people I see are, neuros are neurotics, they have neurosis, 
controlling them and they have that manifesting their lives. They're unhappy. They're searching for the unattainable, especially in this digital age full of vanity and false dreams. They're searching for something that is only exists within themselves. Carl Jung also said it once. Um, I think I, this isn't verbatim what he said, but to search externally for the answers to life is folly. To search inside is where enlightenment begins. And so that's what I see. You have to search inside yourself. Don't look out here. There's nothing out here for you. You got to look within and then the answers start to come about. And so that's where I'm looking. Um, that's how things are. You have to have the right perspectives. You can't be in conflict. You know, you have to have a perspective about life that is fair and nuanced, that is optimistic, but realistic, that is spiritual, but logical, that can be based on, you know, a desire for certain things, but isn't dominated by your desires and emotions and feelings and negative thoughts. You know, you have to have a holistic perspective so you do not destroy yourself. And also, don't be in conflict. You have to integrate all your parts of yourself together and have to move in a certain one direction. You can't be moving in 88 conflicting directions hurting yourself. You'll go crazy. I know I did. Thinking 88 different thoughts and 88 contradictory, contradictory things and then just being reactionary and emotional and going in all these directions at once, it hurts you. You can't do that. You get stagnant. So you need to live a life where you are unified, happy, you know your worth, you have the right perspective, you have a foundation of faith in something, and you care for yourself, you respect yourself, and you know your worth, and you rectify what is wrong within your psyche, your soul, whatever you want to call it, and you deal with your shit, and you move forward, and you grow and become the best person you can, and you build So that's that. And here we are now with part B. Finding a reason to live. Um, I spoke in the last uh, portion, the portion about neurosis, perspectives and conflicts, about having depression and kind of, if you have a negative perspective of life, your, your logical conclusion in a lot of cases is kidding rock bottom. For me, rock bottom was always suicidal ideation. And I had to find a reason to live. What kept me from killing myself for years was my family. I didn't want to disappoint my family. I didn't want to hurt my family. I, I would think about killing myself. Then I immediately thought of the inevitable funeral and how there would just be crying tears. My mother has suffered so much in her life already. My siblings have seen so much horrible shit already. They don't need to see even more, you know? And so I really began to ask myself, what is the meaning of life? Which is kind of a stupid question. Uh, because when you think about it, it it's, it's a loaded question. It's loaded. It's cliche. It doesn't really lead anywhere. And it doesn't really satisfy what is the meaning of life? You know? Even if life had a meaning, or rather, let me rephrase. 
even if we knew the meaning of life, would that stop people from killing themselves? Sorry, excuse me. I don't believe so. So finding a reason to live, you know, even then, how do you do it? How do you do it? Life is full of a lot of strange things. It can be lonely. You know, it can be full of suffering. It can be tough. It can be dark. You know, it can be really, really dark. You know, I think about it in this America. We have this heroin epidemic that's largely impacting uh, lower income uh, white communities. There have been people who I graduated with at high school who are dead. You know, there are people who are in my area, who I used to see every day, who are now dead. And that kind of thing is crazy. That is crazy. You, we need to understand something about life. Life in its totality is complex. It's not, it's, it's, we shouldn't assign terms to life like fair or unfair, good or bad, happy or sad. You know, those are very binary terms that don't really mean anything at the end of the day when we're relating to life. Life is complex in its totality. And the thing I've come to realize is when finding a reason, a will to live, um, you shouldn't look to life itself because the answers, again, don't lay there. Like we spoke about previously in the podcast, the answers lay within. And so does the reason and will to live. What kept me alive for all those years was my family and my friends. God bless them. God bless him. You know, I don't even believe in God like that, but God bless him. I had friends who've also been through so much. I didn't want to hurt them too. I didn't want to disappoint teachers who said they, I could become something, become something great. I didn't want to disappoint all the kids I could help in the future. As a mentor for the youth, I didn't want to disappoint anybody. I didn't want to let anybody down. I didn't want to t- deprive myself of any opportunities, you know, that might come of the joy that might come. And I stuck around for all of these what-ifs, for the inevitable pain I would cause people. But that still wasn't satisfying enough of a reason for me to get out of bed and smile and wash. I mean, I'd go for days without bathing, you know? I would just sit there and cry sometimes. I'd scream, I'd get angry, you know what I'm saying? And the thing I realized about myself is life was just so miserable. And it was miserable because I didn't have a reason to live. I know I'm kind of going in a circle here, but I'm really trying to explain this in full depth. And I really sat down to myself, what is the singular reason I have to live? Is it art, music, what is it? And I kind of had this epiphany during one of my bouts of intense suicidal ideation, where I was about to go and do something horrible, again, trigger warning. You know, I was about to drink some poison or hang myself or jump off of a building or some shit like that, some horrible stuff. Like I said, I just wanted to go out in this kind of grandiose and intense way that hurt so many people probably in the process and was probably extremely selfish. Not that I'm saying suicide is inherently selfish. I'm just saying, like, I I was... 
the place where my, my suicidal ideation was coming from was a place of I want to make people hurt as badly as I hurt, which is a dangerous energy to have. It's a selfish energy. It's a destructive energy. But um, I know for a fact that for me in that moment where I was sitting down in my kitchen, again, trigger warning, with a, a, a bottle of poison of some sort, I really started to think, what is my reason for staying here? What if my family didn't exist? And I've said in the last part of our podcast, if they didn't exist, I probably would have killed myself. But what if they didn't exist? What would keep me here? And it kind of goes back to that whole thing of looking inward for answers versus looking outside. Art and music are great. But I'm sure that while they've kept people from killing themselves, it's probably not good enough for a lot of people. You know? Jobs, money, that's plenty of people. Kate Spade killed herself and she was rich as hell. Anthony Bourdain killed himself. He had some money too. So those things aren't going to keep you around. So what does keep people around? And I realize it's something internal. You know? Even the opportunities. Oh, I could go to school or something. That doesn't keep people around. But it's something internal. It's something within yourself. It's hard to define. But it's something within yourself. And it goes back to that idea of a love of self. A knowledge of self. You know? That's what keeps people from killing themselves. When I look in the mirror, I see a great person. I see a, a brother, a friend, a, 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 a creator. I see a, a ray of light. I see a, f- a friend and a musician and artist. I see so many things. I see an entrepreneur in the making. I see a, an academic, a scholar. And yet that wasn't always the way I saw myself. This goes back to the idea of perspective as well. You know? And I didn't see myself as someone who's worth it. I used to see myself as this worthless fat blob. I used to be really overweight. I'm still pretty overweight, but I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. But um, I just saw myself as this fat, stupid, black blob standing in the mirror, and I hated myself. I hated myself with a burning passion. The one thing I felt besides extreme apathy was hatred of myself and hatred of my existence. And it took me almost killing myself on almost eight occasions for me to really realize that my life has value because I have value. You know, when I look at myself, I'm so creative, I'm so intelligent. I'm so loving, I'm so unique that I can offer this world something great instead of trying to cause people pain. And then I really start to really search in my, my, the depths of my soul, my psyche, whatever you want to call it, my heart. And I really start to look into myself and say, wow, I'm actually a pretty cool person. I'm humorous and verbose. <laughs> And silly and interesting. And 
I had downplayed that for years because of the traumas I'd gone through, as well as just not having a strong foundation of knowledge of self and love of self. You know? Now, this isn't arrogance. This isn't hubris. But it's confidence. And a very high performance level of confidence. And that's what it was. That kept me seriously from killing myself. And even more importantly, helped me to learn to live again. It was this desire to live again. Because I knew who I was and I knew what I was. Now, here's the disclaimer. That, this was a very long process. It took me almost six years to learn this lesson. It took me... Um, it was not a linear, you know, un- uh, evolution of understanding. It was, there were many setbacks, many failures, many... <laughs> Uh, times I just fell flat on my face and wanted to cry and I just froze up for like a whole month and just didn't do anything and I just gave up on life and I was angry and I was resentful and, you know, there were days I just couldn't get out of bed. But I still hung on to this idea that there's something to live for, there's something important, you know. My only error was believing it was something out there when it was something in here. And again, I know this is probably descending into saccharine, sugary, sweet, cliche territory, but for real. For those of you out here who might be suffering, it's something inside of you. There is something worth living for. There is something worth living for. And that's what we got to understand and respect about this existence. Um, So I learned about myself. And I understood that it was my perspective about myself and about what I can do in this life that released me. You know, and again, I'm, I always say with every episode when discussing these heavy topics, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a mental health professional. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, but I seriously, seriously, seriously want you, if you're having problems, go talk to somebody, please. Talk to the National Suicide Hotline. Talk to, um, reach out to some mental health services, please. Please don't, don't, don't try to go anything alone. I sure as hell didn't. I take medication. I talk to people when I'm really troubled. You know what I'm saying? But I think the co- you have to have a strong center to just keep living this shit every day and just keep moving forward. Um, and it's having a strong knowledge and love of self. And that's how you learn to be free. And being free is not having no problems. It's not living carefree and stress-free. Being free is understanding your problems, understanding your limitations, and understanding your struggles, but getting up every day to face them with courage, strength, 
and a new enthusiasm every day and working against them, proving the insecurities and doubts in your mind wrong. That's what it's about. So maybe my solutions seem simple, but seriously, we, we underestimate the power of self. We underestimate what knowledge of self can do for us. To live a life of success and getting up, it requires power. And we often have this fucked up idea of power, that power is being able to, to murder, and not murder, but like destroy and take and to break. Power, more important, is being able to build, it's being able to be vulnerable, it's being able to admit your weaknesses, your flaws, your limitations, your shortcomings. It's being able to build in spite of those things. It's being able to love in spite of the pain you've been through. It's being able to know yourself, even when the world may have told you that yourself, that you are not worth, worth it. Power is something you need to have the right perspective on as well to get out of that pit. Because once you understand the power of self, the world can be yours. It doesn't matter how rich you are, how educated you are. If you don't know what you're worth and what you can do and how strong and amazing you are and how unique you are and also how much you deserve to belong here in this world, then you'll never go that far. So again, to find a reason to live, it's also kind of a stupid thing to say. Because you can't ever find a reason to live. Because the reason to live is right in front of you. Look in a fucking mirror. That's the reason to live. And again, maybe these, were, these are urgent messages, I feel like, in my mind. Maybe they're very simple to you. Maybe it wasn't very, there was no reason to put out a second podcast within the span of 24 hours. But I felt it was so urgent because I feel like there was someone who needed to hear this. Because I know it eluded me for years, <laughs> some of these thoughts. But for real, love yourself, know yourself. Understand the power of self and build, help others, love others, give to the world. The world is an amazing place. It can be, and it is at times. But it does not have the answers for you. Look inward and enlightenment shall begin. Look inward and enlightenment shall begin. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I loved making this. This was deeply emotional and passionate for me. Um, it was deep. It was deep for me. Maybe it wasn't that deep information, but it was deep. It was meaningful. And it was really intense and a really enlightening experience. And um, I just want to say thank you. For those of you who are listening faithfully to the podcast, um, it means a lot. One correction I'd like to make is in the intro of the episode, I said neuroticism, curing neuroticism. No, you cannot cure neuroticism. It's a personality trait. It's not the same thing as neurosis. Again, I'm not a psychologist or a psychology student. Um, so I forgive me, your boy Quez is mixing up his terms, but... I'm interested in that field and hopefully I could bring on actual psychologists and psychotherapists and actual psychiatrists when this shit really starts to pop off. But um, thank you 
for taking this journey with me. Thank you for listening along with me. I'm so happy to do this, and I, the future is bright and beautiful. Peace, love, and prosperity to y'all. Let's keep going. Uh, it's your man Quez, and this is Zufa 9, the podcast. <laughs>